0: Welcome to the Authentic Sales Leader Podcast, where we bring on exceptional sales leaders to dig into their stories, experiences, get their advice, and most importantly, learn what it means to them to be an authentic sales leader. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell, and I suggest that you grab a notebook and a pen as every episode is packed with their wisdom and knowledge. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Authentic Sales Leader brought to you by Humantic AI. I'm Colin Mitchell, the host. And today I'm excited. I have Adam J. on to today. He is the CRO over at Falcon. Adam, how you doing?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you?
0: I am doing good. Been looking forward to having you on the show. Um, love the content that you put out around leadership quite regularly. So I know that you're going to have a lot of great insights to share with our listeners. Uh, but before we sort of jump into some of that stuff, just give us a little bit of background on your uh, story and, and kind of what has led you into uh, leadership.
1: I was always that guy that said I was never going to get into sales leadership. Never going to get into sales, right? Uh, both my parents were in sales. My, my dad sold... <laughs> we could call it sales. My dad sold timeshares. I grew up in Vegas, a little fun fact. And he sold timeshares, which to me is like the sleaziest of sales. He would come home after working all day and be like, don't ever buy a fucking timeshare. They're garbage. Um, Meanwhile, that's what's putting food on the table. Um, So my opinion of sales was like really unethical. I was like, I'm going to do anything else. And I got into radio um, for a bit. I uh, worked for a station out in Vegas. I did overnights, and then I was promoted to afternoons, and I think I was making like 10.75 an hour at the time. (laughs) Uh, No money in radio, unless you're gonna have a syndicated morning show. And I started dating a girl who worked in pharmaceuticals, um, saw that she was making six figures, working what we call T to T. So Tuesday to Thursday, 10 to two. Um, I was like, this is my next gig. This looks pretty cool. Um, so got into pharma, uh, realized very quickly it's not real sales. You're a glorified caterer. You're just like dropping off lunches at doctors' offices and having them sign something for their samples. Um, and hated life. And somehow got recruited um, to what back then, uh, going back 15 years ago, almost 20 was like the creme de la creme sales job, which was medical device sales. Uh, it's like this is cool. Uh, so I'm going to go spend some time in the operating room, um, you know, and really learn how to sell. And what I realized was I like, I love selling. I still love selling and closing deals and being involved in deals. But what really um, got me excited was teaching others um, and helping others learn how to sell and how to lead Um, and giving them kind of those skills that you didn't get in sales training because sales training is like scripting to this book and this like one script and the one thing, but doesn't prepare you for the real world. Uh, we would have a saying, and I'm sure it's still around, of like the, the day you get out of training, forget everything you learned in training and your field sales trainer is going to show you how to really do it. Um, so I, I got into sales management in medical device, uh, learned you know all the basics of like what they said was sales management, right? Challenger and spin and disk and all that. And moseyed my way over to technology and just really learned that I love developing leaders. I have a passion for it. Um, I think that it's one of those areas where no one teaches you. Like I remember my first management job was like, Hey, guess what? You're the number one rep. Now, now, now you're a manager. Go, go have fun. And the top rep is not always the top manager. No, uh, oftentimes they're, they're not they're worst. They're typically right. the worst. So I figured if I could find a way to help other people do it and do it better, um, that's, that's kind of my calling, right? Like I, I love revenue and I love seeing the needle go up into the right. But when people ask me, like, how do you define yourself as a leader? To me, it's how many folks did I get promoted into the right role? And that's a very, very nuanced answer, Colin. It's not how many BDRs or AEs or how many AEs became managers. How many folks did I get promoted to the right role that they wanted to be in and should be in? Um, it's kind of how I want to define my legacy.
0: Yeah. And that's that's a tricky one, right? And, and, and I think you said emphasis on on right role there, right? Uh, and, and so how do you go about that? Because the role that they want versus the role that they're maybe best suited for can often be different.
1: It, it oftentimes is. Um, and I think it starts with what those initial conversations look like. And I'm, I'm very clear with BDRs or AEs that th- this linear path of BDR to AE, or BDR to BDR manager, AE to manager, manager to director, director to VP, Who whoever drew that out on some piece of paper and said, this is the path that you have to go on, um, was full of shit, because it's not. And I think too many people want to get into leadership, because they're told to get into leadership. And it's really understanding and helping people understand their strengths, um, where, you know, they can really excel. And what where they could have the biggest impact versus I, I need to focus on becoming a manager. And I think the, the best example I have is, you know, one of my previous roles, I had a phenomenal customer success leader. Um, she led our CS org and everyone was telling her, Oh, you, you, you know, we were opening a director role um, and you need to apply for that. That's the next logical step, right? You're a manager. So now you got to go be a director and get that $15,000 more of a pay raise. Um, and she hated it. You know, her and I were talking, we were talking about career development and what her passions were. And I, I try to really understand my team on on a deeper level of the numbers they bring in. Like everyone's comfortable sharing a certain amount. And some people are certainly more open than others, but I want to know about your wife, your husband, your kid, your, you know, when your anniversary is, what makes you tick and really get to know you. And I think if I'm doing my job as a leader, we could develop that, you know, personal relationship as well. But what I found out is like her true passion was product like she really wanted to have an input like she, based on all her time talking to customers and being in a customer facing role, she really developed a passion for product and helping build the product and where the product needs to go um, from you know a UI and UX standpoint. So we got her over to product like she she took arguably a pay cut, but it was a promotion to go be a product manager and work her way up in that org and initially when i met with her she's like well I'm, I'm gonna go for this you know cs director role because that that's the next step right like no one's ever gonna let me you're, you you don't want to lose me in the cs org and you're right I, I i didn't um and i could give you so many examples of this happening i didn't want to lose her and it, it hurt me but as a lead, and when i say me like it hurt our numbers um but as a leader and as someone who wants to get people where they want to go and see her thrive. I needed to prepare to backfill her properly and get her where she wanted to go because she was going to offer much more value to the org in a role where she was happy doing what she wanted to do and what her skill set was, versus just kind of positioning her in a box. Because one of two things is going to happen: we identified she wanted to be a product in product. There was no doubt about that. She either going to do that with us, or she's going to go do that with someone else. Um, I would much rather her do that with us and hang on to that skill set and, and continue to grow her then arbitrarily put her in this role knowing that it's not where she wants to be and she's going to leave anyway.
0: Yeah. And 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 I think that there's a few things there that stand out, right? You only come to that realization as a leader if you spend the time to deeply to get to know your people.
1: Every leader has like, "Oh, we are going to have our one-on-one, right, Colin? Like we're going to go over our numbers and we're going to go over you know, pipeline and let's talk about growth. And in the last two minutes, like, hey, man, like, let, let, let's talk about your career development and tell me about your life and what's going on. And, like, all that says is I don't give a shit. Like, it's some afterthought. Um, I have very separate career development meetings with my team. Um, everyone who starts on my team within a month, I, I build out a career development plan that I've taken with me and iterated year over years to understand, like, where do you want to go next step where do you want to go one of the questions on there is literally what's your crazy ass dream like where do you where where do you see yourself like long term whether it's here or anywhere and you have to build that comfort that people are comfortable saying hey like i'm not going to be here in five years i don't want to be i want to go open my own business or i want to go do whatever that's okay can i get the best out of you while you're here and can i help you grow as a person and make you better that when you leave I've gotten everything out of you that I can and I've given you everything that I could give you. That I'm a happy person, man.
0: Yeah, that's that's huge is 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 creating that safe place where people feel comfortable even being honest with you about what their big aspirations are, right? Cuz I think a lot of people are scared to say, "Hey Adam, like I want to you know, be a founder. I want to start my own company." right? Unless you've made it a safe place to, to say those type of things. Cause you know, a lot of people, I mean, even you see people working at places that are like scared to talk about their side hustle.
1: We, we could go on a whole topic about side hustles and LinkedIn posts and p- people are, you know, I, 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 I've been with Falcon. I'm on week number seven. Um, and I was interviewing a few other places And I I do some coaching on the side. I'm working on some leadership stuff on the side as well. And I'm super transparent about it. Um, But one of the folks that I interviewed with put, and ultimately got an offer from, um, put in the offer letter that 100% of my time had to be dedicated to company XYZ. Um, And I pushed back because I've seen similar wording where it's like 100% of working hours have to be dedicated. And I probably even wouldn't sign that these days. Um, But they were like, Oh no, like, it's very, we work from home, right? What is working hours? Um, and I pushed back and their answer was like, no, like if, if you want to come lead our sales org, like you can't have a side hustle. Like this is all you can do. And like that blew my mind. Like I want to go help my, my team with their side hustle and help them grow and help them become a better person. Like if you can get your job done in six hours or seven hours and you're killing it, like god bless you like i I don't want you to be here 60 hours a week i i i believe so much in i I hate the term work-life balance because it's so cliche but like you you can't you know live to work every day and you have to be a bigger person than xyz company because in my opinion it number one makes you more well-rounded um it makes you a better person and if you get to explore your passions on the side it allows you to decompress um, it makes you a stronger player at work. But like telling someone like, Oh, you 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 I own you is basically what it said. Uh yeah, no. Yeah. You you, you don't own me and you certainly don't own my LinkedIn either.
0: <laughs> I think you, you hit the nail on the head on on a couple of points there is you want your people to show up and be the best version of themselves in their role, right? And so to handcuff them to say, you can't do this or you need to fit inside of this box in order to work here means you're going to have unhappy people and they're not going to be showing up as the best version of yourself. And you're going to have a
1: serious turnover problem. But how often does it happen? I mean, think about it. And I, I'm, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of like naming names, but look at the turnover problems. <laughs> it's, it's crazy
0: and the th- the crazier thing is adam is 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 what you're saying here is really you and I are saying it's crazy, but it's more the norm like that is that is the standard
1: and that and that is the problem is that it is the standard is that we we are fortunate to be in places where that's not the norm for us. And for most of the people I associate with uh, personally, it's not. But if you broaden out other than like my my friends, like it, it is the norm. And in not just companies, but there's whole industries um, where it's the norm. And I think we're going to start to see and we have the tides change a little bit. Um, the economy is very different right now, as, you know, everyone knows. And I think we're seeing, you know, a bunch of shifting factors and the, the changes in the economy certainly haven't stopped. They're going to continue to change, but more and more people um, are going out and becoming, you know, I'll use the term solo entrepreneurs or part-time solo solo pre-tren- entrepreneurs. It's a tough word for me. Um yeah. And it's only going to continue. And by handcuffing people and saying they can't do it, arguably is going to push them to want to do it more. Um, and, and it's going to create a talent problem, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're already seeing it where you know folks are, you know, nervous uh, and rightfully so to a hundred percent rely on their W-2 income.
1: When you look at some of the best minds out there, um, everyone will tell you, and it's not even just sales leaders that you and I would respect. Any financial leader would tell you not to rely just on your W-2 income, that you're crazy not to diversify your income stream. What that used to mean is like have your W-2 job and go out and like try to get a rental property or try to do something else. But now it's, you know, have five, six, seven, nine different income streams that come from your rental property or your side hustle or your podcast or your Etsy business. Or I had a sales leader that worked for me back at Swag Up who ran a charcuterie business. Like that was her passion on the weekends. Um, and you'd be amazed the tens of thousands of dollars a year column that she would bring in from charcuterie, um, profit, by the way, like it's, you have to diversify because unfortunately, no matter how good you perform, no matter how good the company is, there's factors that are out of your control. And if you get that phone call or that zoom one day, and you're only relying on that W2, you have nothing.
0: It now let's 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 give leaders the benefit of the doubt for, for for a second here and you know how how what is a good way to to approach this right where it's not just totally free for all and you know i mean there's got to be some some guardrails around you know you know cuz you you see this as well out there where people are doing great on social and getting lots of engagement and even getting jobs just based on their social engagement alone that they're not even qualified for. And like, you know, at some point it gets a little bit out of hand, right? So how does a leader support their people to say, Hey, you know, here's sort of the guide rails. We have a job to do what you do in your free time. Or if you get your job done and you know, X amount of hours, that's totally fine. Don't care. Um, and you're obviously free to do whatever you want, but how do you create some, you know, good guidelines to not necessarily put people in a box or put handcuffs, but support them properly where, you know, they are doing their job well and also dedicating time to maybe something else.
1: It's, it, it all comes down to, and it all starts with open and honest communication, right? Um, you know, you have to build that trust and build that relationship with folks that you're having open and honest dialogue, um, about what those expectations are during the, the quote work day. Um, you know, what your, for lack of better terms, KPIs and output, you know, requirements are. Um, And then being transparent, you know, as far as what is and is not acceptable from a side hustle standpoint. And I think there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, Hey, Colin, listen, man, like our, our customers, our business hours are whatever, 10 AM to 6 PM Eastern. Um, you know, during that time, you know, the expectation is that you're doing ABC and certainly like, listen, man, it's a sales job. If you need to go take an hour to do something, by all means, like if you're hitting your numbers, I don't care if you work 10 to 6, 9 to 5, or frankly, 10 to 2. Um, But what I want to make sure is that when you are here, you are focused on work, um, that we are moving things in the right direction and that we're supporting one another. And outside of work, to your point, um, I want to help you succeed. I think my job as a leader is not just to help you succeed internally, but externally as well. Um, you know, so if there's anything I can do for you in that sense, like let's have that dialogue and let's talk about it and I'll be your biggest champion. Um, and I think that when you do that and you encourage people and let them know that you are you know, rooting for them and their cause, they're much more open and honest with you versus doing it behind your back. But you hit on something that is, resonates with me, which is people getting jobs that they're not qualified for. Um, and we all have imposter syndrome, right? Myself included. Um, you know, there's certainly days I wake up where I'm like, how the hell did I get here? Um, because, like, I-, I don't know, dude. Um, and I think that a healthy bit of imposter syndrome is a good thing. I think what you have now is people who, everyone's an influencer and everyone's an expert. You know, I have been in sales for two minutes, so I'm qualified to like tell you how to run a sales process. And it's so important that people vet out who they listen to um, and who they take advice from just because someone has a platform doesn't mean they should have a platform. Um, And you got to be careful because you're having a lot of everywhere from, I I, I don't want to say BDR because that's, you know, truly should be an entry level role, but from like enterprise AEs, up to CROs that are positioning themselves as something that they're not and then they get into the seat and it becomes painfully obvious and that's a very very expensive mistake for the company to make and you have to be so careful not to vet someone just off their LinkedIn presence or the fact that, you know, they put together some framework and they're selling it for 99.99
0: that that's kind of, you know, you got to weigh like you know, I think people are making hiring decisions based on people's brands, and um, overlooking thinking like, oh, they have this huge influence. This is going to drive awareness and you know leads for us or whatever the case is. You know, are, are people starting to weigh that into the equation of like maybe this person gets a job over that person versus influence and brand?
1: Yes, I, I think they are, and I'm gonna. I'm going to tell a relatively personal story and try not to use names and want to, want to be careful not to hinder anyone. But, like, we had a situation recently where someone was hired because of their brand. Um, it was the primary reason they were hired. They were, you know, had a great brand out there on LinkedIn. People, quote, re- respected them and their advice. Um, and what we found is that brand actually hurt us more than helped us for a couple different reasons number one this person was more concerned about their brand than the company um, and even when they got hired it was all about you know got to get those five LinkedIn posts up per day and everything's got you know I got to build that brand and then to do that a lot of sensitive company conversations were being shared on LinkedIn. Um, one of which like before I got hired, it was posted that the person I was replacing wasn't going to be there anymore. That person didn't announce that they were leaving. Um, like that, that's a problem. Um, but it does, it does. I I know many sales leaders who, if you're looking at, you know, two different candidates and someone has a brand and a following, um, that is going to cause them to want to sway towards that person. And I think if you're not careful and you're hiring based on a brand someone created versus truly hiring for skill set, um, you're going to get yourself in a situation where the brand is only going to get you so far. At the end of the day, you could bring all the people you want. If you don't have the skills to, you know, do your job, um, you're going to have an issue. I think it. Happens more often than it should. And I think it's something that when you're building out hiring processes as a sales leader um, and you're interviewing and you're screening, it's certainly something that needs to be addressed, you know, head on.
0: Well, we're just about out of time, Adam. Um, This was a lot of fun. Didn't didn't expect it to go here, but I think this is a super relevant topic for a lot of sales leaders as they're trying to navigate some of these new things they didn't have to deal with. Any final thoughts on what you think it takes to be an authentic sales leader? And then where is the best place for people to get into your world?
1: Yeah, I think... So final thoughts on how to be authentic. You know, the the cliche answer is just be authentic, Um, but you can't do that. It's to to be an authentic sales leader and be good at being a leader in general, you have to care about other people um, and you have to be willing to put other people first. And I think when I look at the best leaders I've worked with um, and the leaders I strive to be, it's the ones that don't need their name in the spotlight. Um, It's all about their team when I have someone tell me oh you did a great job like my common answer is like I have 20 something people that make me look really good um, my job is to work for them um, to empower them and to make them better so if you want to be an authentic sales leader and you want to be great it's you wake up every day thinking how can I make other people better um, would be my one piece of advice. Um, my world uh, my world is only LinkedIn. I don't tweet. Um, I don't do Facebook. I don't do a whole lot of things. Um, but LinkedIn, super simple, backslash, Adam, B as in boy, J-A-Y.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Authentic Sales Leader Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, the best way to share your gratitude is to share the show or drop us a review on your favorite podcast app. Until next time... Keep it authentic.